On today's episode of Conservative Roundup, I'm joined by Dean Allison, the MP for Niagara West. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 68 of Conservative Roundup. Tam very honored to be joined by Dean Allison, the MP for Niagara West. Well, thank you so much for, for being here, Dean. It's awesome to have you. Great to be on the show. Thanks for the invitation. No problem. Well, let's just talk about telling us a little about a little bit about yourself. Well, I got elected uh, back in 2004, and uh, I first ran for the Canadian Alliance Party back in 2000. I liked this guy called Preston Manning. Thought he was an interesting guy. He was talking about doing some new things, an exciting thing. So that's what got me involved. I was originally from London, Ontario. I worked for this little company called Tim Hortons. Uh, some of you may have heard when they only had about four or 500 restaurants. <laughs> and so through business connections, I ended up down in the Niagara area. And uh, that's when I sort of got interested in politics was when Preston Manning was the leader of the alliance. And that's when I decided to run the first time in 2000 unsuccessfully. And then I thought, well, let's do this again, right? You know, mm-hmm. we, we didn't do so well the first time, but maybe the second time will be better. Yeah. And so I ran in 2004. I, as I mentioned, I am a small business guy. I've owned a bunch of restaurants. I owned a bunch of Wendy's and Tim Hortons and independent bagel stores. I had about nine restaurants, wow. all in total at one point in time. But I was always concerned what the liberals were doing to this country in terms mm-hmm. of missed opportunities. And that's really the reason why I got involved. Wow. I mean, what's kind of like, like your background? What, what made, what's your story? What made you really want to get Fox? What made you want to put your name forward in it? like that, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, you know, at the time, uh, there were people that weren't happy with Mulroney and the progressive conservatives. Um, I think history's shown that he did a good job. Like, you know, he had, he had mm. some issues, but he did great jobs on yeah. the, uh, the climate, you know, and, and, a, and, a, and a couple other things. Mm. Uh, there were still some people that, you know, left him, you know, his reputation divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I look back at it, I, I think he did. I, I'm not, I'm, I, I, my, cha- my opinions changed as now I've had a chance to look at that stuff. And then, of course, the liberals, I always felt that they, did not care as much or weren't as concerned for uh, the economic and the potential that we had as Canadians. So mm-hmm. as a business person, I was frustrated. I thought, well, I, I got two options. I can complain about it or I can actually do something about it. So that's mm-hmm. when I decided to uh, put my name forward and run run for office. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been an interesting time. It's mm-hmm. been a fascinating time. But mm-hmm. I would say that why I got involved was I thought Canada could do better. Canada's got so much potential. We are we have we've got such a great country. Mm-hmm. We've got you know resources. We've got intelligent, smart people. We've got a, a great work uh, work working class uh, and, and and a number of uh, pools of labor we can rent from. Everyone wants to be in Canada. Mm-hmm. I just see so many positives uh, from our country. Mm-hmm. I figured as a country we could be and we should be doing better. Definitely. I mean, what's kind of like the being the best part of being an MP? I mean, you served in government, so you know you kind of gone to opposition. What's kind of being like the the best parts of the job? That's got to be like the best part. I, I think it's. I think it's definitely helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every day we get to help solve problems for people, and you know, it's not always easy. And when you're in government, uh, you've got more tools at your disposal mm-hmm. that you don't have in opposition. But people come into our office every day looking for help with immigration, their taxes, uh, CRA, Canadian mm-hmm. Revenue Agency, everyone's yeah. favorite uh, government uh, governmental uh, organization. And so it's just great helping people work through some of their issues and problems and uh, trying to uh, help help them, you know, figure it out and navigate their way. Mm, definitely. Uh, it's kind of, 
I mean, got it. Look at like the Harpers now. How did you kind of? I mean, you kind of like wonder yourself now, like, like what's really, like really happened? I mean, I mean, you had those eleven years, and then we're kind of like gone down the six-year, I guess, tumble. I mean, you kind of think to yourself, like, like what's happened to this country? A big time every day. You know, I look at the financial crisis that we were in in two thousand and seven and eight, and our country was the last one to go into that sort of that recession. And also the first to come out, you know, so we had a slight curve and then back up. Other countries were like a huge V-shape but had major issues. Mm-hmm. And that's because of Harper. That was because of Jim Flaherty. That's because of conservative policies of the day mm-hmm. that we were able to uh, weather that storm better than most. So we contrast that last crisis uh, back, uh, as I said, back uh, in 2007, 2008 with today. And I think this, you know, these liberals have mismanaged this just incredibly in terms of they've been handling this pandemic. And I think definitely, as conservatives, we would have handled this different uh, under Stephen Harper, certainly mm-hmm. under, you know, Aaron O'Toole. Uh, and like I say, at the end of the day, it is crazy when you think that, you know, in six years, we sort of turned our backs on a bunch of the policies that we had in place. And, you know, really low conflict and the provinces were getting along. There wasn't a lot of, you know, talk about separation. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Uh, under this prime minister, we've got, you know, greater bloc members. We've now got a separatist party uh, talking about uh, flexing their muscles in Alberta and <laughs> in the Western mm-hmm. Canada with the Mavericks. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had all that stuff sort of tapped down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's frustrating to see it uh, uh, being revisited, if you will, mm-hmm. and people trying to uh, dig up old grievances. Definitely talks to me. Yeah, we're going to election with three right-wing parties. I mean, we have the PPC, the Conservatives, and the Maverick, and possibly a fourth party on the horizon as well. I mean, and that's kind of, and then also said, I mean, the bloc, I mean, Justin Trudeau, I mean, he's divided the country more than any prime minister. He's been the most divisive, I mean, as you could say, possibly racist with blackface, woke, corrupt, and, and ethically irresponsible prime minister, prime ministers you could probably ever find in Canada. I mean, I mean, I mean, we kind of we we hit that big blue wave in, in 2011, and then we kind of hit like the Trudeau wave. I mean, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I mean, they're even they're even looking at the at what what's really happening in this country. I mean, they they either don't have time, or there's the uh, or the carbon tax. I mean, the carbon tax hasn't even hit them full effect either, right? I mean, like the, the carbon tax, I mean, it hasn't even hit people like, like fully either, right? I mean, it's not coming back in their bills because they aren't taking their, their kids around or, or anything like that, right? Well, you know, one of the challenges for the carbon tax is where the liberals want to take it, you know, $50 a ton, 170 500 you know, to choose your number, is that the whole point of a carbon tax is to make sure that you punish the behavior you don't want to see people performing. And so... You do it by taxing them to the point where they can't do it anymore. And that's what's different uh, between the Justin Trudeau's carbon tax and what uh, Mr. O'Toole is proposing, which would be a $30 cap limit. I mean, much less than where we're at now and certainly less as to where we're going. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge, right? You know, at the end of the day, people never – they always say that it's neutral and that we give it back to you. But, mm-hmm. you know, you should never believe government when they take taxes from you mm-hmm. to say that you'll be better off. But just trust us with your money. Yeah. Because if we, if only we could, you know, handle your money, we could choose and we could figure out how to spend it better. That's always my challenge mm-hmm. with government. Government always thinks they know how to spend your tax dollars uh, better than you do. And I just think fundamentally, people can always make a better decisions themselves and where their hard-earned dollars should be going. Definitely, I don't know for sure. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, we, we kind of, I mean, from just show, I mean, he, he says that the, the the budget will balance itself magically. I mean, we're on track to not even balance it for another couple decades if, if we continue under the true liberals. Even then, it just probably get pushed back a century and then a millennia and then a millennium. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's how it's basically going to go. I mean, also, I mean, conservatives, I mean, it's, I mean, so what makes us conservatives all is, is the fiscal responsibility that, that all of us have combined, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of people are fiscally responsible in this country, but we know from Justin Trudeau. I mean, he's being fed from a from a silver spoon all his life, so he doesn't really kind of know what uh, what's kind of up and up and at him with Canadians everywhere. Yeah, and I, and I, I'd agree with that. I think you know one of the challenges we have when you start saying the budget will balance itself, and now we've seen literally a three hundred and fifty billion. That's a B. A billion dollar deficit we see uh, uh, like a, a hundreds of billions of dollars of more deficit we see a national debt approaching a, a trillion a trillion dollars mm -hmm. and probably blowing through that as well to end up at you know 1.1 1.2 trillion and yet we've got some of the highest unemployment rates in the g7 and the oecd uh, mm -hmm. and that's troubling you know at the end of the day uh when you have banks and governments you know, quantitative easing or spending money they don't have, basically, you're in trouble. And we see this happening with countries all over the world. We see it in the U.S., we see it in Europe and all around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, our concern is Canada because that's where we live and that's what we're responsible for. But I can tell you, if you continue to spend and spend, it's one of the reasons why we see prices going up. It's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why we see inflation rising. But because as, as we continue to spend dollars we don't have, it distorts the market. And let's not forget, you just hit the nail on the head, Aiden. Like, at the end of the day, we've got to pay this back. So mm -hmm. it's not the burden for myself. It's probably not even the burden for my kids, but for their kids. And down the road, you hit the, this is not going to be, you know, Aaron O'Toole has promised a balanced budget within a decade. A lot mm -hmm. of people say, oh, my goodness, that takes so long. But the reality is right now, we're not going to see a balanced budget for, I think you said almost 100 years. Yeah. That's, that's very possible, <laughs> given, the way, given the way that they've been spending. Mm -hmm. And they could continue to change the anchors. They continue to change the goalposts mm -hmm. of what's important. They talk about total debt, and they talk about a percentage, and they start talking about debt as a percentage of GDP. I mean, they're all over the map. But the bottom line is they're spending more money, and there's only two ways you could fix that. If you continue to spend money, you've got two ways to do it. You can, one, cut spending, or two, you can raise taxes. Yeah. So one of the things they didn't talk anything about in the past budget was really much about taxes, which makes me nervous when I think about them offering up a budget that spends so much money and doesn't talk about taxes. That concerns me as a budget to try and get reelected. Mm -hmm. So then what happens should they be reelected with a majority you know, all of us are going to pay pay more in taxes. No, oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, look. I mean, we're we're hitting. Can you believe that we're that we've hit a second carbon tax on top of a luxury tax and on top of an income tax? That's four taxes. Absolutely, and if you look at what how long it takes for people uh, to pay their taxes or their tax bill every year, that continues to get pushed out further and further. I mean, it used to be in May sometime. I would not be I would not be so sure that you know it's probably six months if you start adding in all the uh, all the HST right all mm -hmm. the consumption taxes property taxes mm -hmm. all the hidden taxes etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. we probably pay more in, in in terms of taxation we probably work for over the half of the year 
to make you know to pay the tax bill, which seems a little bit unfair to those that work so hard uh, to try and put food on their table. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I mean, they're just struggling to, to even provide for things. I mean, look at uh, even pre-COVID. I mean, look at the Albertans. I mean, their pipelines they're getting shut down right out of right out of nowhere. I mean, I mean, they can't. I mean, that money that they're that they're getting from that job. I mean, that goes to pay for their electricity bills, to provide food for their family, to get the basic necessities. I mean, people can't even get that out west. I mean, I and I and we we think that we have it bad. I mean, Albertans have had it bad for the last six years. I mean, look at uh, now. I mean. Down also towards you and towards your riding is is line five as well that they're that they're trying to, to shut down. And that Absolutely. and that goes and to I, affect I a lot of people. people. And I don't think what people understand when you start talking about shutting down pipelines, it's actually uh, much better to move energy through pipelines and safer uh, than it is on rail and truck and all these other things. And there's a mm -hmm. whole a bunch of reasons why pipelines make a whole lot much more sense mm -hmm. and then the other thing that we haven't even talked about as it relates to energy alberta and pipelines is that i for the life of me don't know why we're buying so much energy from offshore for i don't know why we're buying so much energy from other countries mm -hmm. when we could be completely and totally energy self-sufficient here mm -hmm. in canada and that's one thing that scratch i scratch my head all the time i like why would we not have the ability to we are so blessed with so many natural resources, just not just oil and gas, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, minerals and mines and, and uh, fresh water and softwood, all these kinds of things. Why would we not do our best to make sure that we are self-secure when it comes to our energy and our energy needs here in Canada? Definitely. I mean, and, and that was in definitely one of Andrew Shear's 2019 campaign promises was to build an energy east uh, corridor I and mean, we have energy going from all the way out west all the way to the maritimes as, as well i mean and then also like another environmental policy was to ban all ban dumping raw sewage into our waterways which is justin trudeau as well as well that i i think that was i think that was passed in the house just this week actually and, and justin trudeau all of them voted against it against uh, actually getting on to uh cleaning our lakes and waterways so Bill 269, which was put forward by Andrew Shearer, we voted on it this past week. Uh, I think it was um, Tuesday or Wednesday. Could have been yesterday. Uh, this week's a bit of a blur. I think it was yeah. yesterday, as a matter of fact. It was yesterday. <laughs> uh, it was on Wednesday. And I'm going to tell you, every single party voted against it, except the Conservatives. Think oh, about God. what environmental hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Hypocrites is the only word I can use for uh, Elizabeth May and her Green Party, for Jagmeet mm -hmm. Singh and his NDP party, and for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals. These guys that claim, claim to support the environment are absolute hypocrites when they won't even support a private member's bill which states you should not, you cannot, you will not dump raw sewage <laughs> into any place that has fish. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes no sense. And think about it, this is the water that you and I drink. For the mm -hmm. most part, you know, if, if if people are dumping raw sewage in Montreal, in the St. Lawrence, where is the St. Lawrence coming to? You know, at the yeah. end of the day, uh, we are connected through Lake Ontario. This is this is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, I mean, the liberals, I mean, what is it? The campaign oh, we're going to plant two billion trees. Zero being planted. I mean, we can we could even we can do 100 percent better. We could plant one and we'd be 100 percent more uh, better than Justin Trudeau planting trees. I mean. It's just unbelievable how many Canadians just, just fall for for his or the Trudeau Liberals' garbage. I mean, 
all, I mean, all Justin Trudeau does is virtue signal and pander to Canadians, and somehow that's just good enough. I mean, Canadians just need to, in the end, I mean, they just need to wake up and, and just smell uh, the the BL coming out of uh, Justin Trudeau and the, and the Liberals. Yeah, I mean, it's just horrendous how many people just, I mean, oh, Justin Trudeau's like, there's something, look at his blackface skin. I mean, people just kind of give him like a leeway on that. I mean, can you imagine if a conservative did that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you think about it. When you look at all the things, the claims, the statements that guys like Justin Trudeau and the Liberals have made, I would encourage people to look under the hood, right? Like mm -hmm. you look under the hood of a car mm -hmm. and find out and follow and figure out if anything they've said is actually true. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, you know what? Politicians, you know, there could be a little element of truth, right? There could be an element of truth. And mm -hmm. then what ends up happening is that we make these wild, crazy statements that really are 99%. Uh, not even not not even correct and so i would encourage people to look hard and fast at anything that uh mr trudeau says because as you said there's a lot of vote, virtual signaling there's a lot of promises made but not promises delivered mm -hmm. oh definitely i mean it, just look i mean when you kind of like like really dig it i mean we can go all week just trying to trying to nail off what justin trudeau has, has directed and done to our country i mean we can, i mean seriously we could go all week long I, it, it's just crazy how many so many people they're, they're just like oh well, well we'll give them a free pass i mean i mean if we had if we i mean we did we did gain seats we did gain votes last election but obviously we didn't gain enough seats in the right areas but i mean we, i mean we've done a, a really good job at, at really connecting people i mean con, i mean republicans down in the states i mean they're doing an excellent job at, at the youth vote I mean, I mean, they're getting the left, center, and right. We're trying to, I mean, we're trying to like go out and try and get. Oh, well, what, what are you guys? I mean, I mean, in today's age in society, I mean, we try and go and connect or try and debate with a liberal, and then they, they just shut you down. Oh, well, you're racist. You're a bigot. You're all this other stuff, right? I mean, I mean, that's how Canada is. Right? I mean, you could literally not debate a liberal without get. I mean, every single time you could guaranteed you could probably beat a liberal in a debate every single time. I mean, I mean, they're like, oh yeah, well, you're ignorant or you're or you're this or you're that. I mean. That's all that that's all they can do because they're they're not you think for the most educated part in the world that enough people aren't really educated. Well, you, you know, it's really a, an argument of the left, right? Mm -hmm. The left love to call you homophobic, racophobic, you know, germ germophobic, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, their argument for everything is that you know, obviously, you don't care. Obviously, you know, you are you're you're, you're extreme. And all those things, those are just very poor answers. Mm -hmm. Those are not well-researched. Those are not well-thought-out. But they are used uh, to, to create fear, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, uh, if I could just call you a name and I can label you with a name, then we can end the discussion because now I've labeled you with a name, and that name could be anything, right? You're a racist. Boom. That's mm -hmm. the name. And because I've labeled you as a racist, well, I don't talk to racists, right? So now mm -hmm. your opinion doesn't matter. And mm -hmm. if you notice, not just here in Canada, it's in U.S. and around the world, that is how the left is trying to do their battle, right? They are trying to make it all about name-calling. They're trying to make it all about labels. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's how they're trying to shut down debate. Not with facts, mm -hmm. not with figures, not with proof or evidence, mm -hmm. but uh, by the fact that they are going to make up a story and, and try and undermine your credibility because guess what? You're a critical thinker. You mm -hmm. actually want to think. You want to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. And just because the government says it doesn't mean we can't question it.
Yeah, I don't know, definitely. I mean, obviously, there's obvious, I mean, Rosemary Barton likes to, to kind of pick and choose what she kind of wants to look at it and what she kind of wants to label people. But obviously, she loves her little cottage run-ins with, with Justin Trudeau. Willie really the really the the groundhog comes out of his cottage every once in a while for his little news conference. But I mean, in the end, I mean, it's concerns. I mean. I mean, we kind of, we challenge the narrative. I mean, we, we re, like our party's the, the truth, uh, the party of truth and facts. I mean, I mean, we get stuff done. I mean, and that's the bottom line, right? I mean, because I mean, the liberals, I mean, it's just empty promises. I mean, they're, I mean, they're in contempt of the house. I mean, and they're literally taking the speaker of the house to court because I mean, a parliament ruled that they had to release documents. Get like, have you ever heard of, of the Justin, of our prime minister taking a speaker of the house to court? Well, and if you think about it, what we called the uh, we called the bureaucrat. I mean, let's be honest. This wasn't really the bureaucracy as much as it was Justin Trudeau uh, hiding <laughs> behind the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. This was the first time, I believe, in 110 years, uh, a civilian had ever been called to the bar, you know, or you know, admonished, you know, censured, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, not only did the government do that, but on the before we even had that finished. His lawyers were trying to seal the documents. So think about that for a second. I don't think that has ever happened where we have had the government taking the House of Commons to court, figuratively and literally, mm -hmm. yeah. to seal documents. So what kind of dumpster fire is happening in Winnipeg? What, what's <laughs> going on with, with, the, with the work that's been done at that laboratory? Mm -hmm. Because they seem pretty concerned to mm -hmm. make sure the public, Canadians... Members of Parliament don't get the opportunity to actually see what's going on. And it's, it's absolutely crazy. When you think about our rights as members of Parliament, we can compel documents. We can, do, we can do that stuff. This is something that all opposition parties supported. You know, it would be one thing if it was just the Conservatives. Obviously, if you didn't get support of the committee, you wouldn't be able to do it. But we had support. Mm -hmm. Of the block and the NDP. You know how rare that is? Very rare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we have the support of all parties in the House for these, document, these documents. And they have the nerve. This is liberal hypocrisy again, telling us that if we got the documents, this would be a problem. This would be a problem for national security. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. <laughs> if that is what they're saying, what do those documents mm -hmm. entail? And so by their actions and what they are doing, they're, they are twisting themselves, twisting themselves into mm -hmm. pretzels to try and make sure these documents aren't released. Uh, you know, the, the harder they try to keep the documents behind closed doors, be, the harder they try to keep these documents suppressed, the more curious I become mm -hmm. as to what's <laughs> in those documents. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean... I mean, just going through parliament, if, like if we, if, like the opposition had more control over the over the actual, I mean, more seats wise, we could probably uncover a lot more scandals than the what's I guess released nowadays. I mean, look at the the wheat chair. I mean, Pierre Paul. I mean, he's up at the podium. And he's like, he's like this with all the blacked out documents. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, well, hey, look, look at it. They actually prorogued the house mm -hmm. so they wouldn't have to deal with that. Like, think about that. They shut down the House of Commons so they wouldn't have to deal. So it's one scandal after another. Listen, this is what I talk about liberal hypocrisy. You know, I can say things about my NDP colleagues. I don't always agree with them. As a matter of fact, I rarely agree with my NDP <laughs> colleagues. But they have principles. They do mm -hmm. believe in something, even though I don't believe what they believe in. Liberals, and mm -hmm. certainly Justin Trudeau, 
I don't think believe in anything other than power. And that's mm -hmm. why they say one thing and do one. What remember Justin Trudeau back in 2015? I'm going to do different government so much differently. I am not going to have omnibus legislation. I am not going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be much more transparent. I'm going to like the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, it's laughable when you look at the number of things that they have done, not only a much poorer job, but they have actually gone further in making sure that they don't have parliament operating the way it should. I mean, they're worse than John Kirshen and, and Paul Martin combined. With their course, how bad their governments have been run. I mean, I mean, obviously serving in the, in the Harpers, I mean, you've seen Jack Lates. I mean, kind of, how do you think, like, the NDP, how would he think of the NDP now? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Jack Layton, uh, love him or hate him, and I don't, I think it was well-loved. You know, if I look at what happened in 2011, the guy got over 100 seats. It was incredible, oh. the job that he did. Uh, you know, people did have a, have some respect, but his tone was good, uh, and he was he was a decent decent human being. I think the uh, that's changed quite a bit today, and at the end of the day, I think that's been reflective up until now. I mean, their numbers seem to be coming back recently. We'll tell the next election, but they certainly, uh, under this new leader, have done more poor than they mm -hmm. did even under Mulcair, uh, where he obviously lost seats. I mean, it was a high watermark when it came to Mr. Layton mm -hmm. in 2011, but uh, the NDP has struggled since then, for sure. Definitely. I mean, just earlier this year, they finally managed to pay off their campaign debts after two years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a crazy part too. I mean, I mean, we kind of see like like the confidence votes, the we charity votes, everything, like every single kind of vote you could think of, and the and the Jake and Jake meet things like, well, if you offer us this, then we'll then we'll have to vote with you now, right? Absolutely. I mean, quite frankly, you know, the you know, the liberals need just one of three parties to support them in any issue, and they've always had the NDP. More than likely, and I, I think the NDP does that at their own peril, mm -hmm. uh, because at the end of the day, if the you know if if NDP switch, liberal switch, NDP switch voters think that the NDP is not relevant because the liberals are the same, you know what happens is people end up voting there. Now I've seen their numbers in recent days going up, which means it indicates to me they're probably not happy with Justin Trudeau, <laughs> and maybe they have some buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. But only time will tell. But certainly. It's been the NDP that have kept uh, Justin propped up this last two years. Mm -hmm. And I believe unless Justin calls an election this summer, it will be the NDP that will continue to prop them up in the foreseeable future. Definitely. So earlier this week, Bill C-10 was sadly passed in the House of Commons. Can you tell us, our, our viewers, a little bit about a little around there? I think, it's, I think all of our viewers now just know about everything about Bill C-10. But if you kind of want to reiterate what's kind of happened over the last week with, with Bill C-10. Yeah, no, very troubling, Aiden. And I, I think at the end of the day, uh, people are just starting to wake up to this. But the reality is people won't actually understand this until they're actually the ones that are being censored. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's happened is basically, in a nutshell, very high level, is that uh, the legislation gives the CRTC the ability to regulate what's put online. Mm -hmm. So we ask questions like, well, who is this? Well, you know. Maybe it's only people over a certain amount of followers or this, that, or the other. The bottom line is, is they want to have control and they want to have the ability to censor you online if they don't like what you have to say. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very slippery slope. 
at the end of the day. You know, we don't always like everything we see online, but at the end of the day, we come from a country that uh, supports free speech, right? Freedom of religion, uh, freedom of worship, all these other kinds of things. But you know, one of the one of the the, the foundational bricks, as uh, as it will be, was the freedom of speech. And so, when you look at what happens, and listen, there were people that came out. Uh, there was leading experts. I mean, we had a former CRTC vice chairman come out and say, listen, this is a problem. We had Michael Geist, who's one of the leading uh, researchers, professors, and certainly uh, intellects on the whole Internet. And when we had two people – now, you know if we're complaining as conservatives, maybe it's just partisan, right? <laughs> but when you have a number of people come out from a number of different industries or slash points of view – you know you have problems. And I'll go back to it again. People don't realize what's going on right now because I, most people are living their lives. You know, mm -hmm. most people are like, well, I, I, I'm not going to post anything they, they would send you. Mm -hmm. But what they don't understand is that we lay the groundwork for tomorrow, right? So this goes in here now, and then the next thing you know, people come in and say, you can't do A, and then you can't do B, and, and, and it moves from there. Mm -hmm. I use this as an example. This country suffered massive lockdowns over the last year and a half i mm -hmm. i'm not i don't support lockdowns but i've been trying to work within my party and work with it i just believe that if you a have to put food on your table or b you need to pay a mortgage then i'm going to say your job is essential i believe mm -hmm. that you should do it safely we should take care of people all those kinds of things so you know the funny thing was restaurants have been shut down in toronto for six months takeout mm -hmm. only but those that wanted to golf I, I didn't hear them say much, <laughs> you know, and then this relates to Ontario. Now, this is not, you know, mm -hmm. uh, other provinces were less locked down, Alberta and certainly BC. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was when the spring rolled around here in June, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the province of Ontario said, you guys won't be allowed to golf. All of a sudden it was, it was travesty. Like we can't golf. And I was saying, I kept thinking to myself, well, you guys weren't that vocal that not that I'm aware when restaurants couldn't open up, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. the funny thing about people is until it personally affects you, you don't think it's a problem and it's mm -hmm. not an issue. And I think Definitely. that one of the greatest challenges we have to our freedoms is the freedom of censorship as it relates and revolves around the Internet. Definitely. So while it may not affect you today, the concern is that it may affect you tomorrow and you should be prepared. So I don't know if it's going to get passed in the Senate because basically we only passed this week. It's going to the Senate this week. Uh, the Senate's done for the week. They may come back for two days next week, as I understand it. I don't think they're going to have a chance to pass C-10. So the only way that the C-10 wouldn't be passed, potentially, is that if we come back for an early election call before we return to Parliament in the fall, that we, all that would mean that C-10 would die on the order paper, would die in the Senate, so to speak. So mm -hmm. if that is the only way, I mean... When we talk about how important the next election is, my goodness, there are so many reasons why the next election is probably, if not the most important of our lifetime, mm -hmm. one of the most important of our lifetime. And it is because of reasons like C-10, as I talk about. And I just, I just tell people, listen, I know you may think it doesn't affect you today, but tomorrow it may affect you. And I Definitely. think that's what you need to consider. Mm. Even even uh, the 2020 presidential election was it was a huge uh, important election for a lot of people. I mean, look how, I mean they've run the the states right down into the guts the last couple uh, the last 6 months. I mean look at I mean look at their southern border, their their gas price inflation, all these shortages right down. I mean we, we kind of go from a pro I mean a Trump uh, administration that's such pro energy 
pro let's get infrastructure built and we kind of look, hit the biden administration no pipelines in going to uh, canada while all the while letting uh president putin let let him build his pipelines <laughs> yeah and that's the hypocrisy of it too right well and, and, and you know when we talk about inflation and energy i realize that we're looking for a more uh carbon friendly future but when you you know arbitrarily just shut down all oil and gas development when you arbitrarily you know change everything around the world is not going to stop using oil tomorrow mm-hmm. and so if you stop development if you stop pipelines you stop you know all these things what you're going to see is the price of the oil climb you know right now the price of oil is very close to 75 dollars us mm-hmm. and it's heading higher and think about that we've just come out of an economy where oil, I mean, we were locked down for a year, year and a half. The whole world was locked down, and there wasn't much need for oil at all. And so the price of oil should not be at 70 or $75 a barrel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going much higher. As a matter of fact, J.P. Morgan in the States has called for the price of oil to go over $100. I've wow. read reports from individuals, so not banks, credible like J.P. Morgan, saying that if we continue to stop innovation, stop resource development, stop, you know, investing or reinvesting in our oil and gas sector we could see the price of oil go to two or three hundred dollars think about that that would become totally cost prohibitive for Mm -hmm. most people to get around you know to go to the store to take their kids to sports although there hasn't been much sports Mm -hmm. for kids in the last year and a half (laughs) hopefully we'll get back to that shortly Mm -hmm. and i think you know when the price of oil goes up it, it hurts everybody's bottom line because we all and especially i come from a rural riding we don't have massive amounts of public transportation. Uh, and if we did, it wouldn't really work as I try to get from one small part of my ride into the other. It's just There's just not enough uh, demand, right, for mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I think that uh, what helps and what hurts smaller communities and rural communities disproportionately is things like the price of oil, uh, a, a high expensive carbon tax. Mm-hmm. All those things would disproportionately affect rural Canadians. Definitely. I mean, also as well. I mean, because I mean, you're right on the uh, on the other side of Niagara Falls. I mean, that's like a huge tourist attraction too. I mean, and then people coming. I mean, they always. I mean, they literally come through your riding as well. And that and that brings uh, tourism and, and other uh, economic uh, pluses to or surpluses to your uh, to your riding. I mean, that, and that's the crazy part. Now, I got. I want to get your opinion on this next piece coming up. Is is Jenica Atwin? Let's uh, let's. What do you, what's your overall uh, opinion of Jenica Atwin crossing the floor? You know, I, I, I think that, you know, what's troubling me more is, is her views uh, against her leader. Like, she left not because of views that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I don't support your green energy policy. Or <laughs> I, I don't support this. This was around uh, anti-Semitism, you, know, you know, and I think that mm-hmm. that's probably one of a, a more troubling things is the liberals welcomed her with open arms. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, man alive, if you're, if you're caught calling out any, any type of, uh, um, a nation or any 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 individuals from other countries, you have to be very careful of that. I I think it's unfortunate that we spend uh, and I don't say we, but it, with societies at large, uh, increasingly likes to call out places like Israel who are really trying to defend uh, their right to exist over there in a, in a in a in a part of the world that's very challenging. And there's not many democracies. Um, I you know I find that troubling. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's you know it's troubling. The attitudes within the Green Party, you know, why it was left and, you know, having conversations with that. And, and that's another issue. The poor leader of the Green uh, Green Party uh, mm-hmm. still has Elizabeth May kicking around. And so 
she'll she'll have a hard time <laughs> getting any traction as long as the leader's still around to uh you know everyone goes back to Lisa bay and say well, what do you say like what's going on and i think that's that, that'd be difficult than any leader you know it would mm-hmm. be like Stephen harper sticking around and then us looking for a new leader and, and then you know how, how is that going to work for the new leader how are they going to be able to develop their own brand mm-hmm. their own thought processes you know their own policies Definitely as well. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I mean, right now, uh, Enemy Paul, I mean, just because of, of her, uh, I mean, her rightful views, I mean, Israel is a defensive state. I mean, they're literally trying to remove her because she's pro-Israel and she's not anti-Semitic, just like the other green, uh, green members. I, that's really crazy, too. I mean, I, I like, I actually like, uh, like for the first time in a long, like, I actually have respect for, for a green leader that hasn't completely lost their mind like Elizabeth May. I mean, like, Enemy Paul's real, like, common sense, she literally has common sense, something Elizabeth May does not have. But, um, <laughs> I mean, and that's the crazy well, and, and let's, she was democratically elected, right? Like, let's, mm-hmm. she's not some, uh, you know, fly by night. She's actually ran for the green leadership and won. The members thought that she was the best person for the job. And I, you know, this is indicative, Aiden, of the problem and the challenges we have right now today in society. It's cancel mm-hmm. culture. You know what? If I don't like what you say, then I just, I, I will kick you out. I will cancel you. We talked about before. I'll call you a racist. I'll mm-hmm. I'll do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. They can't say that about the NDP leader. They can't call her racist because mm-hmm. it's not true, yeah. right? And so at the end of the day, <laughs> when you look at the green leader, I think I said NDP. What I meant was green leader. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, those are always challenges if we are not able to have a, a fair and not mm-hmm. have, have a good conversation. No, no, definitely for, yeah, for sure. I mean, all, I mean – I mean, it's so, like really like like it really boggles your mind of, of kind of what's really going on in the Green Party as well. I mean, I mean they lost one third of their entire party just uh, in a matter of a day. Oh, that's like, like this is like really far fetched as, as as well, right? Now, I mean, kind of. I mean, we're gonna skip forward to the the next election here. So, I mean, very. I mean, as you said, it's a very very important uh, important election. And I mean, I mean, it's a turning point for Canada in, in reality, right? I mean, when we were kind of hitting taxes, I mean, Canada's like really, literally on the fiscal responsibility point of, I mean, can you believe right now that we have more debt racked up than World War Two and World War Two or World War One and World War Two combined? I mean, what kind of I mean part of Canada do you think we should kind of like focus on more? The GTA, the Maritimes, BC, Quebec, the last Edmonton seats, Winnipeg. What, I mean, what what, could, what what do you think we, we we should kind of focus on? Yeah, no, when we won in uh, 2011, we we obviously I think we, we had what 75, 76 seats uh, in mm-hmm. Ontario, right? So mm-hmm. Ontario, you can't ignore Ontario. If you can't uh, you can't win Ontario, you can't form government. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. We haven't historically done well in 416 in Toronto, but in 905, uh, we've done okay. And we've done well over time. And obviously at the time there was a hundred and what, 101 seats or 103 seats in Ontario. Mm-hmm. We had almost three, three quarters of them. So Ontario is definitely one of those places. There's probably opportunity in Quebec because we don't hold a whole lot of seats there. <laughs> uh, but also the East coast, we could do better. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've, we've got to be able to do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. In places like Ontario, where else we can't form government? No, definitely. I mean, I mean, literally, Ontario has like one third or just under a third of the whole entire seats in in Parliament as well. I mean, we have so many great candidates running in the in the GTA as well. So maybe that'll kind of bump us up a little bit. I mean, obviously, uh, looking at three thirty, I mean, we've kind of done a little bit better up in the Richmond Hill, up by around the Leona Alice Lev as well. 
uh, are up around her riding. So I guess the couple, well, I guess to her left or her right ridings are, I mean, they're doing, doing pretty well. I mean, we have Melissa Lansman running. We have Emily Brown running. We have so many great candidates as well. Do you kind of think that maybe possibly we could maybe flip Toronto blue again, just like in, in 2011? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope as uh, Aaron is, uh, is, is trying to moderate the party a little bit, uh, I hope that uh, his policies, when people get a chance to actually hear him and meet him, because mm-hmm. you know during a pandemic he has not been able to get out like no leader has been able to get out. Yeah. I think that Aaron will do very well in the campaign, mm-hmm. and I think if people could get a chance to get to know Aaron, Aaron's got a great resume. He, you know, he's a business person, well slash lawyer, did his time in the uh, in the armed forces, mm-hmm. uh, and I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, Aaron Aaron brings a lot to the table, but. If people don't know who he is, that's always the challenge, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's where Aaron's got his work cut out for him, is getting to know uh, Canadians, and specifically Ontarians as well. Definitely. Well, uh, well, thank you so much for, for coming on here, Dean. It's awesome to have you, and uh, it'll definitely, uh, definitely be great to, to get you back on again. Absolutely. I enjoy it. How, how often do you do this? Do you do this every week or multiple oh, times of the week? Well, uh, so basically, uh, uh, I guess for our viewers um, – so usually we, I just we schedule some in, and then we release two every single week, maybe a, a th- so Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, sometimes a special one on on Fridays. Good, mm-hmm. good. Well, and how's it going for you? Oh, that's well, great. <laughs> that was Dean Allison, the MP for Niagara West. Make sure to subscribe to our social media pages and to also check out the next episode of Conservative Roundup.